Oh, yeah. It just gets you ready, doesn't it? You just start feeling it. Yes, sir. You feel the helmets going on, and then explosion. Mm, mm, mm. It is Thursday. And it is FRPC football. I am here with the Canadian Bomber, with the Canadian Shaman, with the Canadian Bill Simmons, and for this podcast, the Canadian Mike Tomlin. Oh, man. Nico Miatello, what is going on in Edmonton, Alberta, Canada? Uh, for the most part, we're burning down. Um, to be honest, it's, Not really. it, it's fire all over all over the province at the moment. This climate change shit has us uh, it, having summer temperatures in early May when we normally have snow. So it's uh, it's not going too hot in Edmonton overall. That being said, I'm I'm doing well. I. <clears throat> I, I have a little bit of a throat condition because of all of the smoke in the area, but besides that, I'm uh, I'm feeling all right. Literally, it was a game time decision. Uh, Nico took the shot, oh. and now he's playing. Now he's playing. That's how we do here. So yeah, and I I also wanted to touch on this being on Thursday instead of Wednesday. I think uh, during the off season, we'll probably be a little bit more flexible with those those dates going between Wednesday and Thursday. But obviously, when the regular season starts and we need to brief on the entire team, it'll be more strictly coming out on Wednesday. That being said, uh, during the off season, me prepping for the wedding and uh, Smoke inhalation problems going on. I think it's better for us to have that flexibility between those states for now. Absolutely. And what we'll try to do is bank a couple pods like right before the wedding for the football. You know, like maybe we'll do like a team breakdown to kind of fill fill that that week or two weeks of luxuriousness that you'll be having. Luxuriousness. Yeah, is right. going is the key word there. Mm-hmm. So we will have that. But we need to get to this AFC North, but we don't need to get to it yet. Because I need to talk about the hair that you got going on. This is an audio medium, but it's not an audio medium anymore. That's true. This is a video medium. We are now on YouTube. We will be posting these. I know. You should have. I threw the hoodie on because you know I don't care. I'm 50, bro. You, you're you're lucky that I'm just, you know, even visual at this point. Uh, yeah. Good. To be fair, giving giving a shit about my appearance has never been my strong suit. I uh I'm getting it enforced on me a little more by my fiance lately, so I'm trying, but I uh I've never been great at it. When you get when you're married in your fifties, yeah, they they let that go bro yeah yeah he's they're just great they're just grateful for like you being really nice to them and appreciating them now you still are in that phase where oh i have to take you out places yeah that's yeah so with that when i'm looking at the hair and everything this is this is made for video nico 
I know, I know I'm not made for video, but this, this right here, well, this is working for your boy. Actually, to be honest, there's kind of a funny story about this hairstyle. I'll, uh, we're getting sidetracked early, but no, this is this is a pod. This is what they're going to be getting on football. This is what the, you know. What? Hey, listen, I need to have some fun. <laughs> I lost a mom on Saturday, so yeah. we're gonna joke around here today. Um, so Nico looks great. The hair looks great. You know. We're doing well. But the uh, the story I was about to tell, this is actually the hairstyle I I chose to go with through most of my early 20s. And when we first started dating, uh, my fiance didn't like the hairstyle. And we went through a few different iterations of hairstyles that, that, like, Either she liked or I liked. For the most part, I let her choose because she's the one who has to look at me all the time. So uh, we tried some different things out. And then my hairdresser kind of misunderstood some instructions uh, last time and gave me the same haircut. And now it's her favorite haircut ever. She likes it the best. It's just, I guess I had to age into it a little more. That's right. I got age in. There's nothing wrong with it. Speaking of age, we got to get to these football teams. We got to get to them because we are burning daylight. And we are talking about the AFC North, which is very apropos because Nico's beloved Pittsburgh Steelers are in this division. And also, if you are not new to the podcast, you are very much aware that the mother of the guy that you're speaking to is a also a fan of the Pittsburgh Steelers. So you have, I'm going to let you know right now, the Pittsburgh Steelers coverage, bro, if this is not like top notch, just know oh. I, whatever's going on in heaven, bro, mm-hmm. that will stop and something will come to your house. It'd be like a four foot eleven white lady spirit, and she'll go, Nico. I expect better. So no pressure for you on the Pittsburgh Steelers today, but there are other teams in this division too. So yeah, I I have a little bit a little bit extra love for the Steelers. It will all be done in honor of Loretta. R.I.P. to the moms. All right. uh, We got Deshaun Watson. We got Joey B or Joey Sauce, as I like to call him. Mm -hmm. We have Lamar Jackson in Baltimore. Mm -hmm. And we have probably the year of Pickett in Pittsburgh. Because... I am thinking and I am certain that those fans are expecting a little bit more out of Mr. Pickett. Mm-hmm. But which team would you like to start off with on their offseason so far? Um, we, we could, 
ah, maybe let's start with the Steelers. We're going to go a little long there and then it'll probably dictate the rest of the the rest of the episode to a certain extent. So uh, let's let's start with Pittsburgh. All right. So the Peace Square Steelers, what we do know about them is Mike Tomlin is the coach. He does not like to have losing seasons whatsoever. That team always is competitive, no matter the talent drain or lack of funds or if they're going through a cycle in one of their uh, groupings as far as on the defensive end or defensive side of the ball. Now, uh, there have been some changes made to the front office in the last couple years. Mm. Uh, Kevin Colbert is out. We have a new GM, new philosophy. In the building, Nico has been nothing but excited. There was one moment of trepidation for him, but yeah, so far, so good. Absolutely. So, Nico, tell me about what you think the new vision of the Pittsburgh Steelers is in, the, in their front office and how you think they're trying to run it. I think uh, looking at the moves they made this offseason, the first thing that comes out is kind of like a transition back to old school Steelers football. And that's adding a lot of size up front, big maulers at guard, guys like Isaac Sayamalu and Nate Herbig looking to play smash mouth football. And then also on the defensive side, loading up with guys who can make big hits in the middle of the field and a Landon Roberts, Cole Holcomb, and then also some sizable defensive tackles in Armani Watts, Braden Fajoko. Then you turn to the defense or the draft and the defensive side of the ball there. What they added a lot of size. They added a lot of size realistically on both sides of the ball. You can see there's a clear want and need for this team to kind of make a transition to what once made them great, and I'm definitely here for it. Do you think they've done enough on the offensive line to keep in mind, you got Cincinnati and Baltimore is back. What do you make of their offensive line improvements? What do you look for in leaps from the guys who have been there? Um, Because they need to protect Pickett. Yeah, absolutely. I think the offensive line, the offensive line was actually much maligned last year, and I think it was somewhat unearned. Because, like, we were up to the week six in the season or something like that before they'd even allowed a sack. They they were a much improved unit last year coming off the year before where they weren't good at all. But I have to say, a lot of that seemed to have to do with some complete freak luck in the fact that the offensive line was absolutely uninjured throughout most of the year. And... I I kind of think none of the starters missed games at all. I'm pretty sure they had the same five guys for 17 games. That's absolutely not going to happen again. But 
while the offensive line was solid and much improved, it definitely had areas where it could have got better last season. The first kind of glaring hole on on the line to me last year was a guy who I once had a lot of hope for in Kevin Dotson. He didn't really seem to get his job done at the guard position at all. So originally, we all thought they brought in Nate Herbig to replace him. It was an interesting fit for the team. But now it looks more like Nate Herbig might be the swing guard. And Isaac Sayamalu is going to step right into that role. And that's an absolute mauler. As Jason Kelsey was quoted saying today, he's one of the best guards in football especially in the run game. So I think that's going to help a lot. And Pittsburgh's offensive line system is also going to help him a lot because they they play every set like it's a run play right at the beginning. They get very physical, aggressive into the chests of the defensive players off the, off the snap no matter what. There's no dropping back in pass coverage. It's always mash, mash, mash. And for a guy like Isaac, who's great at that, I think that's going to help a lot. Um, Also, in the draft, they went and got Broderick Jones, who I was absolutely stoked for. I think he's a great left tackle prospect and uh, another guy who's a really good fit for this team. Well, last year, the left tackle Dan Moore did improve throughout the season. He gave up, uh, I think, the most sacks on the team. I'm pretty sure it was five or six. And he's still not quite that premier left tackle that you really want. So I I understand pulling him out of the lineup, kind of adding him as depth back there. And now you have, you have a line with Broderick Jones, Isaac Samalu, um, Mason Cole at center, who was pretty good last season James Daniels who was great last year and Chooks Okorafor on the right side that's uh, a strong unit altogether and I'm honestly looking at it as maybe one of the better units in the league coming into next season well Barbara Jones they moved up from 17 to 14 using New England as the conduit for that to get ahead of a couple of teams that were looking to uh, poach him. He was the last guy of the offensive tackle group. Um, he was on a national championship team at Georgia. So he's played a lot of high-level football, uh, got, got a lot of reps. Um, and also, again, when we talk about the SEC, here's a conference that is as pro-ready as you can possibly get. You're going to have a lot of physicality. You're going to have a lot of speed. You're going to have a lot of dimensions on defense that you're going to see in the NFL anyway. So even though the kid is still raw, you're getting somebody at least who has seen it, who's not just going to go, oh, my God, I can't believe the speed. Mm-hmm. Now, maybe some of the savvy moves and things of that nature, that will take time to pick up and learn nuances and things of that nature, but what a outstanding place for him to be, to be able to hone his craft in Pittsburgh, where they like to, they like to put a lot of love into both their offensive line 
and their defensive line. It is kind of their hallmark. It is something that is a principle throughout that organization. Rooney's on down. So this is something that Pittsburgh Steelers fans should be really excited about as a young, because he's still very young, if I'm not mistaken. He's not, I don't think he turned 22 this year, right? Yes. yes. Right. So you got a real young guy who athletically is a monster. So, and he's super strong. So this is a, this was a really good pick. And I like the aggressiveness of Pittsburgh seeking, saying, okay, we got to make an upgrade. And we have uh, earmarked this guy as a, a, a potential fit for our uh, organization. Yeah. And speaking like you did earlier about the change in the front office, while Kevin Colbert was a guy who traded up uh, a few times in the draft, most notably for Troy Polamalu, but also for Devin Bush a couple years ago. And there's another one I, I'm forgetting. Um, this trade-up felt a little different to me because it was a very small trade-up and it seemed to be targeted at a few specific teams. When the Steelers have traded up in the past, it's felt more targeted at players, feeling like, okay, this player seems to go at this certain point in the draft. And it wasn't, like, specifically with a guy like Devin Bush, it it didn't really seem like they were trading up specifically because they felt one of those teams was going to take him. It's just like, we feel like this is the range in the draft he goes in, so we're trading up to this point. So it felt it felt a little different from that extent. Also, the fact that he, at the time, left himself with such a wide gap in the draft by trading away that fourth-round pick, that's also something I'm not sure Colbert would have done. Um, so I really, I really did like that move overall. Uh, I wanna I wanna give one more uh, mention to the front office change in Pittsburgh. Uh, arguably the most famous scout in the entire NFL, Mark Gorsak, the guy who does the forty yard dash with all the prospects, retired this year. It's uh, a sad. Oh wow! Yeah, he just retired shortly ago. I think a few days ago, uh, very, very sad moment. We, uh, we've brought in a couple scouts from the Eagles and, uh, uh, scout from the Raiders, I think a few days ago. So that we're adding bodies because of the loss, but he, he did just retire. So I want to give a shout out to him, just an overall great dude and someone who is flexible for the Steelers moved around like different scouting areas all over the country and seemed to always have a pretty good read on prospects overall. Yeah. Shout out to Mark Gersack, uh and just knowing, knowing just the life of a scout. I, I want to get one on Nico. I just want to just dive into what they go through. Um, I've talked to a couple. I know, some that are on that like Midwestern grind, uh, a lot of long car rides, 
you know, a lot of not great hotels. Uh, when you're, when your first round pick is sleeping in a four seasons in Chicago, that is not what your scout is doing. Yeah. So, you know, uh, especially a team like the Steelers who famously kind of penny pinch on those types of situations. You got to love it to be a scout. Mm-hmm. So you have to really love it. Speaking of scouting, they didn't have to scout too hard for their second pick, which is the <laughs> cornerback out of Penn State, Joey Porter Jr. Yeah. If you have heard of the name before, it's very synonymous with Pittsburgh because his daddy played there. So Joy Porter Jr. out of Penn State is like a 6'2", uh, cornerback, long, uh, pretty fast, very smart. Um, and I'm this, to me, is another Pittsburgh-type of player. Not because of the namesake. I'm looking at just the actual size frame skill set of the young man so yeah he absolutely fits the pittsburgh type of player you you talk about his dad being on the team uh another another big story that just came out uh, a couple weeks ago demarcus ayers former steelers receiver was telling a story about how uh, Dino Tomlin, the son of Mike Tomlin, who played cornerback at the uh, college level, and Joey Porter Jr. used to come into camp quite often and run drills against him and Antonio Brown and Marcus Wheaton and all the receivers and practiced covering them then. So <clears throat> Mike Tomlin got to see this kid in his own practices already he knows the system he is arguably the most ready player that anyone's had come in in a while people were talking about this with Kenny last year but this brings it to a whole nother level the amount of exposure that Joey Porter Jr. has had with the Pittsburgh Steelers locker room it's uh incredible you you can see pictures of child Joey Porter Jr. wearing a Steelers jersey at the game with his dad it's an absolutely wonderful story overall and uh, we're really excited about Joey Porter in Pittsburgh too he seems like he's gonna have a decent chance to start this year especially considering the lack of attention the Steelers have paid to the slot cornerback role so now it looks like that might be designated for Patrick Peterson. And if that's the case, we might see situations where if three cornerbacks are on the field, Joey Porter is probably lining up outside with Levi Wallace and Pat Pete in the slot. Then they stayed with defense in the second round and picking up Keanu Benton from Wisconsin, yeah. a defensive tackle. Wisconsin guys are uh, very common stealers. <laughs> We've had a lot of success with them, obviously, most notably TJ Watt. And we brought in another two in this year's draft, defensive tackle Keanu Benton. He's a, 
a really big plugger along the center. He's probably in line to play nose tackle. Uh, it looks like our nose tackle from last year, Montrevious Adams, is kind of out because we drafted Keanu Benton and we also brought in Armani Watts and Braden Fajoko, who both have some spot, some experience at the position. Um, <laughs> Nick, Nick Herbig as well. Uh, first of all, another example of Mike Tomlin falling in love with uh, bringing in family members to the team. He actually did a video on his Instagram recently talking about why he likes to bring in uh, family members to the squad. And he just talks about that, that competitive nature that breeds within families. And uh, that's clearly there with Nick and Nate Herbig. Uh, in both of their introductory press conferences, Nate Herbig was asked what position he was going to play. And he said, I'll play kicker. I don't care. And Nick Herbig, when he was asked, he said he'd play long snapper. So they, they both seem like guys who don't really give a shit about how football is played they just want to get out there and help the team win and that's very much the Steelers mentality and the kind of thing we're trying to add to this locker by the way they also sound like complete Paul Triple H Levesque guys so when they're 28 29 and they're done with football those gentlemen have a career in the WWE. So get uh, used to the performance center down there as well. So Tampa looks like it could be your friend, (laughs) but the other guy that I want to talk about, um, I'm going to save him for last, but let's get to the last two picks. Um, Corey Trice Jr. The uh, cornerback out of Purdue. I, I thought he fell. Yeah. So my question to you is how excited about this guy? Um, is there something what made him fall? And I actually think he went to the right place. I mean, it's Tomlin, yeah. you know, other than like Belichick and maybe a couple of others where you sit there and go, okay, okay. Like this system right here, mm-hmm. no nonsense. He's definitely going to fall in line. Mike Tomlin is one of those guys. So Tell me about your cornerback, Corey Trice Jr. Uh, we, we're so far very excited that he fell. Uh, it seems like there were some medical red flags on Corey Trice, and that, that was the reason he tumbled so far. Um, going, going into this draft, the Steelers actually haven't really had a long legacy of drafting players with those medical question marks. So I think it's notable that they both went with guys in Darnell Washington and Corey Trice who had some form of medical red flags at the Combine. Um, But Corey Trice is kind of similar cornerback to Joey Porter Jr., honestly. They're both really big, strong press corners who can move well overall and have that speed to play at the NFL level. Uh, One thing that's been talked about with Corey Trice so far 
is his ability to guard the tight end position. And with the Steelers not having a true slot in the building, using a guy like Patrick Peterson, who's basically never played there in his career to this point, that could turn out to be an important role. They've used players like this in the past, and uh, a guy who they've drawn some comparisons to, I've heard from my guys over at Steelers Depot, is Cortez Allen former Steeler, I kind of, I kind of see that in Corey Trice. So I'm, I'm excited to have him on the team this upcoming season. And then the last pick of the draft, uh, talking about going back to Wells, like the Steelers did with Wisconsin, uh, Maryland is another well they like to hit often, uh, as well, getting a guy in Spencer Anderson, um, I, uh, he's someone I honestly don't know the most about. I, I know that he has experience playing all five spots on the offensive line. So that's something the Steelers are probably pretty intrigued by. I'm glad they're not resting on their laurels and hoping that they'll just be as healthy as they were last year, this year, this year, they're actively adding a lot of depth to a line that lacked it last year. So I'm I'm excited about getting just another body in the mix. And Steelers have had a lot of success, actually, with the late-round offensive line selections, be it guys like Kelvin Beecham or B.J. Finney or whoever. They've been able to find talented dudes in the later round. So I, I'm definitely willing to give Spencer Anderson a chance, and I hope he can stick as maybe the ninth offensive lineman this season. I'll give you a nugget on uh, Spencer Anderson. Uh, he's the guy that um, there was a, I guess it was an issue a couple years ago um, in the preparation department. And Anderson was one of the guys who spearheaded um, in the middle of the week, like a, a study night, a video night for all of the offensive linemen. And then they would have like some sort of like like trivia of it. So they made it a game. That's perfect. That's okay. So there was competitiveness. So this is a this is a smart guy. This is a technique guy. Mm-hmm. Um, he won't wow you with physical attributes. The punch isn't like super awesome, but he can place a defensive lineman somewhere. Mm-hmm. So uh and the line versatility definitely helps, so you're good with that. Um, we got to kind of speed through these a little bit. We spent a lot of time on the Pittsburgh Steelers. Oh, the one other thing I want to get to with the first Pittsburgh Steelers is Corey Trice, and we got to get to Darnell Washington. Um, Corey Trice is a physical corner, and if it doesn't work out at corner, what does the Pittsburgh Steelers do? best out of anybody in the history of football they move their corner to safety yeah nobody has done it better and rod woodson i can go i can continue to go if you like but we could just use rod hall of famer rod's good enough and there actually is uh, i would argue maybe even a stronger need 
at safety after the Steelers lost Keanu Neal this year, and then they brought back Demonte Casey, who played who played well last season when healthy, though he did miss a significant amount of time, and uh, Keanu Neal who I think might actually be more of a sub-package linebacker going forward. I'm not sure. But behind that, there's not a lot of depth there. So Corey Trice could absolutely slide into a role like that if the transition seems necessary. Um, I'll touch on a couple more things in a more rapid-fire fashion rather on the Steelers. Um, just so we can wrap it up and get on to the next team. Um, I uh, Right before we started recording, actually, Omar Khan was on the Pat McAfee show. I haven't listened yet, though I, I did see the headline that dropped everywhere, which is that Mitchell Trubisky and the Steelers should have an extension signed in the coming days. Um so right after re-signing Mason Rudolph a couple days ago, they work out this extension with Mitch Trubisky. I think the primary reason is to lower his cap hit for the reason that like it's $10 million this year, and that's a, not a good backup quarterback. You don't want to pay him $10 million. So uh, he's also a really popular guy in the locker room, so having him maybe agree to stay around at a, a lower rate for a few years, kind of cements the backup quarterback battle as finished and uh, shows that Mason was really just brought back to be a quarterback three. Um, considering that signing or, and the fact that they released a Kello Witherspoon a couple days ago as well, who had a pretty big cap number i the steelers also are not at the the 90 man roster limit yet so i could definitely see uh maybe a signing incoming there's been uh quan alexander who's scheduled to come in for a workout on monday and a lot of people have also been rumoring kyle van noy as a guy to to maybe sign with the steelers so that's definitely something worth tracking in the upcoming days. Um, <clears throat> I got I got a few more things to touch on here, but I'm I'm worried they'll drag me down rabbit holes that will make this podcast two more hours long. So I'll uh, I'll we'll maybe save that as a tease for the article that comes out next Wednesday. You know, you could always do a breakout video, Nico. <laughs> I could just yeah. put you on here and just, there you go. Mm-hmm. All right, we're going to get to the Baltimore Ravens, which is Nico's favorite team to talk about. Um, Lamar Jackson is back in the building. I was wrong. We were wrong. Yeah. Um, now, <laughs> here's the problem. We lost Ben Powers. We've lost um, Phileas Campbell. We have lost Chuck Clark. Yeah. Um, we, have re- we have got a wide receiver group 
tentatively, I would say, in Odell Beckham Jr. And they drafted Zay Flowers, which that situation um, was awesome. Yeah. Now. They also have Rashad Bateman still. Which is which is great. He still has a lot to prove. So, like I said, wide receiver room tentatively good. We don't know because injuries happen. And if that's your top three and you see the injury history in Bateman and Odell Beckham Jr., now the prize is Zay Flowers. Out of Boston College, slot receiver, but... There's an instinct there that a lot of people need to be aware of is that this dude can absolutely go get the ball. So with that being said, uh, speak the other thing, ownership. Kudos to the ownership. Kudos to DaCosta. Kudos to that franchise. They held their ground with Lamar. Mm-hmm. A contract came out that Lamar was able to say, okay, if this framework looks good to me, let's add on a couple dollars. And everybody was agreeable. So I think this is the thing where we might want to look back and kind of look at it like, uh, I think actually at the same time, we are in a situation where what are we doing? Hold on for a second, folks. Hold on. (laughs) Oh, there you are. Never mind. No. See. Oh, Nico, do you have the app? You're using the app? I wonder if you had the app, if it will work better. So, it looks like we have lost Nico. What are we going to do? We're going to keep potting. That's what we're going to do. We are going to keep potting now. We're going to finish up this episode. Nico is having some technical difficulties. And we're going to talk about the Baltimore Ravens now. Uh, Lamar Jackson is now back in the fold with the Ravens. He signed his contract. He got a lot of money guaranteed. And uh, everything seems to be right in the world. Now, here's here's the problem. That team still has holes. They need to fill them. I did not like that... uh, Ben Powers left. That was kind of a blow. Um, Now, when we look at their draft, they did do work in the draft. 
Zay Flowers out of Boston College is an absolute go-getter, even though he's not huge. He is a uh, access point uh, type of guy on the ball. He gets it at the apex. He is uh, he's aggressive with his going after the football. Um, the second pick was Trent Penn Simpson out of Clemson. Uh, this guy was all over the field. The one thing with Trenton Simpson, he needs to stay healthy. Uh, but terrific player, has terrific instincts, um, should fit well into that Pittsburgh Steelers defense, especially that linebacker group. Uh, we are going to talk about we're going to talk about their fifth round pick. Uh, Caillou Blue Kelly is a blue chipper out of Stanford. Now you go, well, why was he in round five? He had a ton of injuries. If for some reason he can get past the injury bug, now here's the thing. This is why you draft him in the fifth round, right? Um, He could be a solid contributor. He can be a slot corner. He could maybe also turn out to be a safety if you feel like the physicality isn't to your... um isn't to where you think it should be. Now, with Caillou being the fifth-round draft pick that he is and just being an absolute stud and a blue chipper, you know, you take the gamble. And if you look at what they did in the last three rounds, that's what they did. They took blue chippers. They took guys that were really good, that had either some injury history or what have you, and they're counting on the talent that this dude was a five or four star and uh, was a early contributor to winning football in big power five conferences. So they took flyers at the end. These, sometimes they pan out, sometimes they don't. But a lot of people, especially the Ravens, that's how their front office works is let's go get the guy that was the blue chipper who had a lot of skills. Yeah, he has some injuries. Maybe he can shake those things off. Maybe he can't. But we did not waste a high pick on this guy to get that done. So um, that's pretty much what Baltimore has at the end of the day. And again, you're looking at a team that it's coached well. They're another model franchise. They don't, um, you don't see a lot of drama come out of there. The Lamar Jackson thing was literally the biggest thing they had out of there. And it's because of the fact that Lamar beats to his own drum and he wanted to represent himself in all the more power to him that he got it done. And there is a contract that he is happy with and that the Ravens are happy with. And I know that. Nico, who is now back with us, is yeah. really excited that he didn't have to talk about the Baltimore Ravens. <laughs> so we'll lead him into the team that he also probably doesn't like, which is the Cincinnati Bengals. Welcome to the jungle. We got uh we got stuff to talk about. Um yeah. Orlando Brown Jr. is there. Nick Scott is there. Cindy Jones is there. And kind of an intriguing little piece, if it ever works, but it did look great at Alabama at one time. 
Irv Smith Jr. is now there. Now, they lost a lot in the secondary with uh, Jesse Bates and uh, Von Bell. Uh, Hayden Hurst is gone. Eli Apple, I would say that was actually uh, an addition by subtraction with Eli Apple. Um, if you know, you know. Um, and actually, Samaj P. P. Ryan left as well, and that 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 might we might need to talk about that a little bit. But mm-hmm. what about their offseason without their draft? What about their offseason stands out to you? What did you see in Cincinnati's uh, offseason, particularly before they went into the draft? What did you think about it? Um, one of the first things, like the most glaring and obvious thing is the addition of Orlando Brown. This is a team that's really struggled to protect Joe Burrow throughout his time. And luckily he's only been hurt the once so far. Um, throwing together a better offensive line is something that they've absolutely needed. And uh, the addition of Orlando Brown put them in a position where they felt comfortable to completely ignore it in the draft. So I'm I'm not convinced that was the best idea, but I I respect having additions like that and kind of sticking to your goal. I I also like the Irv Smith signing quite a bit. Um, he is one of those guys who maybe maybe I like it more for fantasy than actual football. But those post hype tight ends generally have a time that they cash in, and this would be like the perfect offense for Irv Smith and kind of. Similar to another guy in this division, the season he had last year, I wouldn't be shocked to see Irv Smith have a similar season to what David Njoku just had. Um, the the Samaje Piran loss, I think, is kind of big, especially with um, last season, Joe Mixon seemingly taking a step back. He... I, I'm not 100% sure if you'd say that for sure, but like what we saw from Samaje towards the end of the year was better than anything we saw from Joe Mixon last season. But now they have kind of an interesting battle behind Joe Mixon to fill that next role. They hold got... on, hold on. Give me one second. This is what I want to say about the front office of the Cincinnati Bengals. <clears throat> it has been a long stated joke that they just watch Saturday college football. Oh yeah. And on ESPN or CBS and they go, that guy looks good. Let's get him. Yeah. And if you look at their draft and you look at what they pulled in off of free agency it it rings true. It all rings true. My question is, is that, how can I say this? There's a lot of goodwill that has been, that has been cultivated by one person. And that's Joe Burrow. 
Let's mm-hmm. be real honest about what's going on. Also, Jamar Chase and those boys who catch those footballs. All right? Mm-hmm. Now we're getting to the part where it gets a little uncomfortable. People need to get paid. Nico, Joe, Joe Burrow needs to get paid. The year after, Jamar Chase needs to get paid. Decisions need to be made. And I'm going to tell you right now, I don't know how long this is sustainable. I understand they have hit. Things have worked. But somebody in that, and they they have one of the smallest scouting departments in all of football. Yeah. Is it luck? Is it luck? Uh, I mean, is what Cincinnati is doing right now, is it luck? Is it just, we just take dudes from Power 5 conferences that were like four and five stars that played well on Saturday, and we stick them in. Now, some of them hit, some of them don't, but this is how we're going to do it. We're going to save money on our scouting department. And that's a disservice to Joe Burrow. uh, Well... Uh, I I'm not sure I can necessarily say that as a Steelers fan. We I didn't want to go back to them necessarily. However, the Steelers famously have the smallest scouting staff in the NFL. And uh the last year the smallest school we drafted someone from was Maryland. We do basically the same thing and do not turn over every single stone. There are certain situations where we will draft smaller school guys, be it Javon Hargrave or the aforementioned Kevin Dotson. But I kind of think realistically, to a certain extent, it's a tried and true strategy. I'm not convinced this is necessarily uh, a slight to Joe Burrow. There's certain teams that just kind of like to run the system with a smaller draft board of guys who fit what they're looking for. And if it's done right, it can be done well. I think part of the problem with the Bengals for so many years was just not necessarily having the right guys in there and just having Marvin Lewis stick them in the middle for so long. Once they finally fell off a little bit, got a couple top-end picks, were able to add in those superstars in Burrow and Chase, it brought them to that next level. It it might just take something like that for certain teams. They draft Miles Murphy out of Clemson, the defensive end. A lot of talent, um, production, hit or miss. Mm-hmm. Uh not my favorite defensive end in this in this draft um for several reasons i don't think i don't think he maximized his talent no no he didn't um i mean very talented guy i mean here's the thing tomlin is that guy so the one thing is is that tomlin will test your manhood mm-hmm. you know if he has to to get what he needs out of you so he went in a sense to the right place. Yeah. Um and I just I find it baffling that you have a quarterback that is on the cusp of making a ton of money that you know you're gonna have to invest in. 
And I'm looking at this draft, Nico. Um, where, oh, where is the offensive lineman? There, uh, like I I brought up before, I think they they felt solid with the group they put together last season, and I think maybe maybe the goal was to trade Jonah Williams and figure something else out. But at this point, I I think they were just happy with their addition of Orlando Brown Jr. <laughs> well, I'll tell you this: uh, Jonah Williams will will have something to prove. Uh, they're obviously going to move him over, right? Because Brown is going to play. Yeah, but Leo left tackle Collins is there too. So I. Kick Lyle Collins to guard or kick Jonah Williams to guard? I I don't know if I like either of those options, honestly. But they're okay. they're they might figure something out. We'll have to wait and see. I mean, obviously they have a lot of time. Maybe there's something that falls through cracks to them, you know, uh during the next cut. But uh I I love Joe Burrow. Like he's one of the funnest guys for me to watch on Sundays. And I look at this team and I go, I know you're probably going to pay him because the the scrutiny of South Ohio will be upon them if they don't. I think some of these moves with the naming rights of the stadium and what have you and is basically going to pay for that. But let's not – they've had – like I said, they've had some goodwill over – the over the last couple of years, but all these guys were on rookie contracts. It's time to start paying these guys. And we will see. And I don't think it will be Burrow. That won't be the one that will be on, be hung out to dry. It will be, it will be what we're looking at with the offensive line. It'll be the unimaginative way to fix the offensive line that they're showing right now that will be the detriment to them. Yeah. I, I, they're, they're going sorry. Since the daddy didn't mean to be a buzzkill, but uh, I, I love your quarterback. I love your skills, skill position dudes. Um, I did like the pick of Sidney Brown in the fifth round out of Illinois. Thought that was a pretty good pickup. Um, I'm always go for the cheap running back. You can get production. But um, the rest, I mean, they got good players, and these players will help them. I just thought you would concentrate just some resources in the draft to the guy who got you to a Super Bowl after the ACL tear. Mm -hmm. That... That to me seems like a derelict of duty to me, and uh, I'm calling them out for it. I, I've I've had a hard time with this this front office for a, a long period of time, and uh, this seems this seems right at this point in time. So we'll see. But the one thing that we know about Joe Burrow, he's really talented, and he can almost lift that franchise up onto himself. <laughs> yeah frankly and i just hope it turns out really well for him i do i root i root for him 
Mm-hmm. Are there anything, uh, were there like guys that in this draft class, uh, I know you and I talked about Charlie Jones, the, uh, the receiver out of Purdue. Um, yeah. We think that he is the, the next in line because this is where the money starts to get funny. Yeah. Tyler Boyd, Tyler Boyd will be coming off the books. And now we replaced him with this, uh, this way lower salary. So anything else stands out to you about their draft that we need to kind of talk about? I really like DJ Turner out of Michigan as a pick in mm-hmm. the second round. I think that's a good cover corner. And the only reason he fell to pick 60 is because this class was uncharacteristically deep at the cornerback position. I I like kind of what they did overall in the draft. They targeted the deeper positions in the first two rounds and then again in round five so they kind of like stayed out of the the edge market until they got the last edge in a deep class they stayed out of the cornerback market and they got one of the last corners in a deep class and then they did the same thing in a deep running back class and ended up with a guy like chase brown in round five who i think would have probably been a borderline day two pick in a few other drafts we've had recently so i i really like what they did as far as that is concerned they were mostly value hunting and i think it worked out positively for their draft overall are you concerned with turner's ball skills as a corner i a little bit but Ball skills are one of those things that's a little bit harder to tell when you're number one corner in college because when you're in good enough of a position to make a play, quarterbacks just often will throw it at anyone else. So I I kind of like to wait and see those things a little more in the early preseason before I focus too much in my evaluation on them. All right, let's get to Cleveland. All right. Um, <clears throat> we're going to make it a policy on this particular podcast. I know that this is hard for people in Cleveland to hear, but in the outside world, uh, we don't talk about your quarterback very much. No. Um, so we'll say, hopefully this year, your what you paid for your quarterback in money and in um, draft compensation plays a lot better. Um, we understand that the talent is there. Um, there was the layoff, so I don't take any stock into what I saw with their quarterback. I want to see what this offseason, the program, and what he looks like hitting the ground running. But mm-hmm. uh, they did make some really interesting and to me, kind of some positive moves during the offseason. Um, Barry is is really good. Now, I have a problem with the ownership group, but I don't have a problem with Andrew Barry. Yeah. And we'll get into it as we get into his draft, this, this particular draft that he had, what he had to work with. Mm-hmm. But uh, 
speak to me about, I mean, obviously the losses are Kareem Hunt, people, you know, I, I don't know if anybody's losing sleep over that. Um, John Johnson the third, they paid a lot of money to. They thought getting them from the Rams, that would end up working out. I could have told them it wasn't. I didn't like him. Um, the loss of Clowney and Brissett, give me thoughts on that, and then we can talk about the additions, Nico. Uh, I think the loss of Brissett is the biggest one for this team, especially considering the guys who are now replacing him. You do not have a quarterback one who has played good football in the last two seasons. So the fact that you're willing to go this wild at backup quarterback is a little crazy to me. Jadavian Clowney was never really a fit that made much sense in this Browns defense overall. Uh, The best production they got from him throughout his time was moving him to uh, a more of a defensive tackle position, trying to make him rush as a three technique. And that wasn't even perfect. I, I don't really think that's too big of a loss to write home about. Mm -hmm. Uh, Kareem Hunt though, you're putting kind of all your eggs in the Nick Chubb basket. You also let uh, Dearness Johnson walk in free agency and now are going into next year having not drafted a running back with Nick Chubb and Jerome Ford. That could spell disaster if there's a Chubb injury early or at any point. Uh, some of the additions, the Dalvin, Dalvin Tomlinson, the, uh, the edge rusher, which I am not going to even try to pronounce the name. So I'm not going to do okay, that. Wrong there you go. Elijah Moore pickup. Mm-hmm. A lot of people yeah. love that one. That, that's nice. Um, what does the additions to this team mean to you? Does this give you a hint of what that team is going to look like or personality-wise of what it's going to look like with some of the additions? Does it, does it, does it smell like anything to you? Um, I, I like what they've done on the defensive line. I think adding a guy like Dalvin Tomlinson is – going to add some pressure from the interior that they've lacked in seasons past besides that brief stretch where Clowney played the three tech. So I think that's definitely going to be a positive. You talked about John Johnson being disappointing. Juan Thornhill, who they brought in to replace him is a guy I think could be pretty productive in a similar role. He he was de- a pretty decent player on the Chiefs, but the Chiefs' defense, I'm not sure, was featuring him in the right way. I think letting him run a little more free in Cleveland might lead to some more production and some more playmaking. Um, and then the addition of the backup quarterback room, like I was talking about, <laughs> between uh, my guy and Rocket Science 
scientist Josh Dobbs and uh, your guy and not rocket scientist Dorian Thompson Robinson. I think <laughs> that's going to be uh, a very tenuous room overall. All Cleveland, Cleveland, Cleveland. The DTR experience is here for you. And let me tell you something. It is a glorious experience. It will it will have you at the edge of your seat every single possession. And he will do some of the most remarkable, athletically crazy things you have ever seen. And then he will do some of the most gut-wrenching, rip-your-heart-out-of-your-chest at the most inopportune times. Oh, yes. The DTR experience is here in Cleveland. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I'm, I'm here for it. And I can't wait till he comes out in the preseason games. He throws the ball all over the place, and they're just, like, loving him. He's running everywhere, and they love him. And then he gets into a game, and he breaks off, like, a 20-yard, spins around, like, two dudes, and then fumbles the football, like, mm-hmm. literally at the three-yard line. It's going to be great. Yeah. we. Another thing I wanted to touch on, we we mentioned the Bengals' absolute lack of addressing the offensive line. The Browns getting Dewan Jones in round four. Well, I want to talk about this job. This is what I'm saying. Very. Insane this is, value. Their whole draft, bro. How do you get the best wide receiver out of Tennessee? Yeah. That's... How do you get Ika from Baylor? Out, you know what I'm saying? This draft is ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. all these guys... Um, you know, I'm not a draft guru, but all these guys were rated higher. We saw a lot of these guys. I mean, here's the thing. DeJuan Jones probably is going to pan out. Yeah, man. It's, I'm pissed off at the DeJuan Jones situation, honestly. He was someone who I thought, the, if the Steelers might go Joey Porter Jr. in round one, maybe Dewan Jones would be available at 32 and they'd take him. But instead, he fell all the way to 111. I uh, started to kind of give up on that dream when the the whole pro day fiasco came out with him, with him not doing any drills at his pro day and seemingly gaining weight despite not weighing in. I, I kind of thought the Steelers wouldn't be interested in that, especially after the Mike Adams situation. But uh, him falling all the way to pick 111 as, I would say, one of the better players at Ohio State and someone who could completely take dudes out of games at times kind of reminds me of the terrible pre-draft process Orlando Brown had as well led to him falling led to Dewan Jones falling but i i think we're going to get a good player in the NFL people got get a little bit too caught up in measurables and all that just turn on the tape and watch him destroy people and also i want to bring up that 
Cameron Mitchell and Luke Whippier out of Ohio State, I thought were just, I was like, really? Mm-hmm. Like late? Yeah. Late in the in the process, this is what you're getting. And I love their draft and credit to Barry and that scouting department in really finding value in their uh in their in their processes. So I was I was ecstatic about what they did. And to tell you the truth, if you look at what they did, you can look you can look at their first three picks and they're telling you we're gonna be a tough football team all day, dude. We're gonna be physical all day long. Mm-hmm. That's what they told you, Cedric Tillman. Uh if the if the uh knees Hold up. Excellent. Um, point of the attack. Catch radius guy. Attacks the football. Like you said, Dewan Jones, I mean, there were times where he he faced real talent. You know, Ohio State was always in national championship contention. There were always really great defensive ends that he was going up against. Um and we 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 saw what their quarterback did. I mean there's only a couple of teams that were able to real get real significant pressure on them consistently. Yeah. Um Michigan's physicality they didn't seem to handle it real well. Um and I don't know if they fell asleep, but they didn't seem to handle Penn State real well either. So it's just one of those things where you see what's going on. And it's just a it's just a credit to that organization saying, hey, this is our this is our stamp and this is what is going on. So it's a crazy when you sit there and you say, oh, I don't have draft picks. This is something that when we get to the Rams, we'll talk about as well. When you don't have like the first, second uh, round picks, you got to really do some in the trenches scouting for this to work. So we saw it in Cleveland. Credit to Barry. Um, We'll have more on this stuff as we go along. And we just thank you guys. I know it, it was a long time coming, but football is back. Football is back on FRPC. We will be a little bit flexible with what we have during uh, the offseason, but look out for uh, breakout videos from Nico and what have you. And, uh, you know, I think we'll have camp notes and things of that nature. And uh, I think that's about it. Well, I know one thing. I hope my mom's proud that we did, uh, like, literally 25 minutes on the Pittsburgh Steelers. So. With that being said, who we are going to say hello and also probably goodbye to Nico. So pretty much done that. So Nico, I pretty much finished up everything. You're having all kinds of issues over there. Uh, final final thoughts of just the the AFC North and what what this draft and their offseason told you. Um, any big winners, either individually 
or uh, team wise for you? Uh, overall, I think bowl, basically every team in this division seems to have gotten better. You could argue maybe the Bengals are slightly worse given what they've lost at the safety position. But overall, I I think every team has done pretty well. This, I think, is the only division in football where Vegas has the over-under of every team uh, nine and a half or higher, meaning the implied totals of every single team in this division is a winning record. You could argue that means it's the best division in football. I think it's pretty close at this point. And overall, I'm just excited to watch the division unfold this year and see who can become that number one team. It's going to be an absolute battle royal for whoever wins that division. I don't see a team coming out of that division with less than six losses. Yeah. So split, do what you got to do inside your division, try to make hay outside your division and pray to God that you got a soft, uh, Interconference uh, rival or whatever case may be. Yeah, we, they, uh, the AFC North actually does have pretty soft divisional matchups this year. So it could be a situation where a few of these teams just end up loading up on the wins. Yeah, if you have a third or fourth place schedule, this is the year to make hay with it. So I think some of the individual um, winners. In this situation, obviously, Robert Thomas, the tackle out of Roger Georgia. Jones. Or Robert Jones. Why not? I'm thinking of another. I was thinking of a linebacker back in the day. I'm old. Uh, yeah, Jones out of Georgia. Definite winner. Went to uh, just an extent, extent, outstanding program. I think Ika out of Baylor. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought he'd go higher. So, you know, you could call him a loser, but I don't think so. I think he can anchor that defense, mm-hmm. and I think he's like the the right type of guy in Cleveland. The hair, you know, just big Samoan dude, rough and tumble. I can see him just breathing out just cold air all the time. It'll look like old school Cleveland Brown football. Yeah. Uh. Barry, to me, is a winner. Mm-hmm. He's a winner. And quite as kept, Lamar Jackson is not just a winner. You reign supreme, young man. You you uh you represented yourself. <laughs> you got your money, and now all is well in Baltimore. Not one, not one agent fee. That, uh, except listen, maybe to your moms. Listen, keeping keeping cash in the family, all yeah. good. I am I am with this. This is uh-huh. this seems like a model that I need to go ahead and kind of yeah. jump onto. All right, Nico. Uh, any final thoughts on the ASC North or what have you? I did tell them that again. Reiterate Wednesday normal, but that'll be closer towards the regular season. Yeah, maybe like uh. Last couple weeks of August, you'll start getting that. 
Uh, but look, midweek, just look midweek. There'll be a football show yeah. at some point. Um, any other final thoughts before we go? No, no just uh, overall, we'll probably be a little more flexible with the schedule as we're figuring everything out and just lining it all up and figuring out what works not only best for us, but best for our listeners as well. Um, if we, if we find certain episodes get listened to more on certain days, then we'll go in that direction. So just kind of let us know, uh, tomorrow we will be going into the life pod. We're still looking for names for that pod to be named later. Yes. Pod to be named later. Absolutely. You, if you have suggestions, we're looking for audience suggestions and, uh, Hopefully make a Twitter poll pretty soon here so you can hit me up at NicoFRPC. You can hit Vince up at FrontRunnerPC. We've we've got uh, a few things working here, so I'm I'm pretty excited. Oh, check out the YouTube channel because our, oh, yeah. our glorious yeah. faces will be on that. Debut. You guys are going to see my face today. Uh, it's not a debut because your your face is up there for the draft lottery reaction, buddy. It's oh, already up there. Oh, yeah, I forgot. So, I forgot the re- football debut. Yeah, football debut. Mm-hmm. So with that being said, for the Canadian Bomber, the Canadian Shaman, the Canadian Bill Simmons, and for this podcast, the Canadian Mike Tomlin, I'm your boy Vince. We will be back on this feed tomorrow and uh, – You guys have a good one. Football music is still great. Yes, sir.